Good morning. Happy Monday. I have Neuro Coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Coming up on a very busy Monday, an unusual Monday, but we will get it done. A quick housekeeping item, IFAST University, we have a call today at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are not a member of IFAST University, please go to ifastuniversity.com, get yourself signed up, and join us for the 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time call. Um, we're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. This was Zhang. And Zhang asked a great foundational question in regards to connective tissue behaviors. And so he still has a question in his mind as to, as to how we influence connective tissue behaviors in the relationship to, to muscle output. And so this is one of the reasons why we have to consider direction of gravity and body position and such because we have internal and external forces that we have to manage. This is gonna tune up and tune down motor output, which is also going to influence and tune the connective tissue behaviors. So a great question, uh, Zhang. And like I said, we covered a lot of ground here in, in a very short period of time. I hope it clarifies this point for a lot of people. Everybody have an outstanding Monday and I will see you tomorrow. Um, so I have a series of mini questions about um, muscle activities and connective tissue behaviors. Is this uh, like a, is this like an Alex series of questions? Not, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Probably shorter than that. Okay, so um, so it's so you talked about uh, in the last week you talked about with uh, Manuel uh, at the bottom of the squat. So the anterior anterior pelvic outlet is eccentrically biased until um, you hit the bottom. Yeah, in the bottom of the squat. Until you hit the bottom. Until you until you hit the bottom, and you said the the re reduction of the uh, muscle activity will create will increase the yielding potential of the connective tissue. Reduced motor output. <clears throat> So it's not the orientation of the muscle, it's how many motor units are, are active. Okay, I, I guess that's one of my, uh, one of my mini questions. Uh, is there a difference between do that. orientation and- Do that, yeah. do that. Okay, look at the angle, see it? Push on it, but don't let the arm move. Okay, do you feel the, do you feel the muscle working harder? Yes. Did you change the joint angle? No. Okay. So you increased the motor output, but there was no orientation change. See the difference? Yeah. So one had more motor units active than the other, but yet the orientation was the same. Okay. So, so if I put this concept into a practice, so when I see someone uh, whose center of gravity is shifted way forward and I lie, I, and I lie him down, um, he will reduce the motor output, right? Potentially. Potentially. One of the reasons, that's one of the so reasons why you, hang on, hang on. That's one of the reasons why you might lay someone down to do an activity is because you're taking gravity out of the equation so they don't have to use so much motor output, but that doesn't guarantee that they will reduce the motor output sufficiently. Okay. Okay. 
So does that to learn behaviors? These are learned behaviors. So I could take somebody that stands in a late propulsive representation, lay them down, doesn't guarantee me that they're going to go into an early on me, right? They can still be be utilizing the late propulsive strategy, right? And and I still have the interference. Okay. So how would you like um, reduce the muscle activity enough to capture the early representations when you lie down? Well, so is that is that a matter of somebody not relaxed enough in that position? Um, you, you could look at it. You could look at it that way. I would hesitate to use a relaxed, relaxed um, yeah. uh, term because if, if I'm setting someone up in, let's just say I'm I'm putting them in a hook lying activity because when they stand up they they can't reduce the motor output. So I lay them on their back. So I'm I'm capturing certain sensations that would promote a shape change that would. And, and muscle activity that would allow me to access the connective tissue behaviors that I want for an early propulsive strategy. Okay. So, so again, there's a, it's a combination of factors. It's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta deal with gravity. I've got forces that are inside of me that I've got to control. I've got forces outside of me that I've got to control. If I can capture the right sensation. So that might be a foot contact that might be a pelvis contact on the table, right? That might be um, the way that I inhale and exhale. Like all of those things come into play to promote the desired output or behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what we're doing is we're trying to provide the, the appropriate inputs to get the, the behavior, right? We want the right outcome. And so all we're doing is manipulating the influences. Some people can do it standing up right away. Some people can't. Some people need manual therapy to feel what we want them to, to, to feel so they do create the right output. Good morning, happy Tuesday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. All right, my weird and wacky week continues. Um, we are going to dig straight into today's Q&A. This is with Peter, great foundational question. Um, the overarching principle that we're going to cover in this question is you're going to move in the direction of expansion. This is a universal principle. doesn't matter what we're talking about, um, but, but the, the general premise is, is that. So whether we're talking about a synovial joint, um, whether we're talking about any sort of shape change, um, you're going to move in the direction of expansion. And so this is, this is some of the, the fluid dynamics that we often talk about in regards to how we might roll across the ground, how we walk across the ground, etc. So, so again, great foundational question from Peter. So Peter, thank you so much for asking this. It will help a lot of people. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday and I will see you tomorrow. Hello, good morning. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, the water balloon concept and how that relates to a joint position and how that relates to center of gravity. So uh -huh. like um, um, water balloon, if you compress one side, fluid shifts to the other side, right? I'm aware. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you're looking at that in the context of two bones that are on top of each other, if you're yep. compressing one side, the fluid's shifting that way. Draw um, this picture all the time, Peter. 
<laughs> um, so that means that the person's heavier on this side because their bones are getting closer together and their, their shape overall is changing into that direction. Yes, so there'd be expansion in the opposing direction. So your compression would increase where you brought your hands closer together. Okay. Um, and this is a two-dimensional representation of a four-dimensional problem. I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I just need to keep sure. it simple. <laughs> no, I'm with you. That, that, that's why we draw. That's why we draw flat pictures because it does make it simple. So go ahead. Um, so the person's center of gravity has shifted from my. I guess my perspective. It's that way. Um, no. No. Where where is it then? Okay, you you've been on the call the whole time, right? Yeah. Simple rule. We were just talking with Robbie on the golf swing. Simple rule. Uh, you move in the direction of expansion. Oh, that's weird. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Bend your elbow. Bend your elbow. All the way. All the way. Okay. What direction did your elbow move? Uh, I guess my elbow moved that way. That is correct, sir. Don't be distracted by the sharp, shiny objects. Right? <laughs> everybody looks at everybody looks at the everybody looks at the at that bony position, right? And they go, "No, my arm's moving this way." It's like, no, it, there's that's the direction of movement. Well, because right. if you if you did move this way, then you would fall that way, I guess. Yes. Okay. So so if I if I I R the lumbar spine. Is the pressure posterior or anterior? You're applying a posterior pressure. With an expansion forward, so that's the direction you go. Okay. You get it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to influence that situation where you have expansion on one side, compression on the other side, yes, generally speaking, you're going to apply a compression to the expanded area in order to try to get this to happen. Yes, sir. And you can do that with manual therapy or uh, activity. Or, or an whatever. exercise or, yeah. Say the magic words, sometimes it works. <laughs> cool. Okay, yeah, that helps. Yeah. Yeah, so, so in, um, when you were in school and they taught you about end fields, remember those? Mm -hmm. Right, and then and I, I honestly, I, I don't even remember most of them. Stanley Paris has 16 different infields, but um, yeah, I know. Well, that's the, like the, it's the boggy and the mushy and the squeezy and the oatmeal-y and I don't know, I don't know what they are, right? They're just a bunch, Jordan probably knows all these infields, right? But, but this, this is what you're, this is what you're feeling. So you're feeling the connective tissue behaviors and then wh where the fluid shift takes place. So when you get a really hard, abrupt end feel, um, assuming that the joint constraints are, are within some sort of normal representation, you're feeling the, the water in the joint compress and it becomes solid, right? That's, that's a hard end feel. It's like, so that's how you can tell, you know, where you are. So, you know, when you, when you hit the end range of something and it does not move past and it's, and it's supposedly within what they would consider the average ranges by textbook, it's like, you know, you've, you've just created, like literally you've moved into a space that no longer exists. Mm -hmm. You've just compressed everything. That's analogous to maximum propulsion. Uh, potentially. Okay. Yeah. 
depends on where you are. I had another quick question. Where you are because think about this. It's like, it's like if I try to, if I, if I'm doing a, an, an Obers test mm -hmm. and, and they don't have any internal rotation, it's because the fluid content is, is medial to where I'm measuring or posterior, depending on, on the limitation of the test. Right. So um, let me use a traditional, if traditional hip extension. Okay. Why doesn't the leg come back? And, and people say, well, you've got, you've got muscle activity on the front side. Yes. But it's the fluid pressure moving posteriorly. It's the fluid volume rather moving posteriorly that creates the interference to the movement. It's not the muscles. Muscles are just keeping it in a certain space. Like when you lift weights and stuff, you're stacking weights on a column of compressed water. Yeah, you said that once and it blew my mind. Yeah. Pretty cool when you think about it that way, though. Mm -hmm. Are we good? Yeah, I think so. Awesome. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Today is Wednesday, that means tomorrow is Thursday, that means tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. As usual, coffee and coaches conference call. Join us for some great Q&A, grab yourself a cup of coffee. Great way to start off your Thursday morning, so please join us for that. Digging into today's Q&A, this is another segment uh, with my conversation with Pat Davidson on his podcast. Um, probably a really good one for the young coach to listen to. Um, this has a lot to do with how we work in this mentorship apprenticeship model uh, successfully um, to teach us how to deal with uncertainty, managing our failures and such. You are going to face this. Um, you might as well do it in a very safe to fail environment. And, and so again, a very useful conversation for a lot of young coaches. So again, thank you, Pat. I'm not sure when the, when the full conversation is gonna be up. That's up to, to, to Pat, but so keep an eye on that. Um, if you're interested in hearing the the, the whole thing, um, it was a, we had a great time. It's very fun, so I think everybody will enjoy it. Have an outstanding Wednesday. I will see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Coffee and Coaches Conference call. Well, there's more comfort in certainty. Of when course, you know, there is, but, you but there is no certainty. But there right. is no certainty. See, that's that's perceived the, certainty. Yeah. Well, it again, it's 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 protection. It's self protection. Yeah. Like yeah. like if I am certain, then I am comfortable. I am confident, and and I feel good about myself. And it's like, but the minute you can start to accept the fact that that things are uncertain, and you're playing the probabilities, then there's a level of comfort with that too. And yeah. and that's where I think confidence comes from. Um, and that that a younger <clears throat> younger coach or therapist does not have because they haven't survived enough failures, right? And and I think I think that's a that's a big deal because you have to be comfortable with the uncertainty. You have to be uncomfortable with the not knowing. And and again, you are playing probabilities. It's like you know if 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 you're you know eighty two percent correct then that's a pretty high level of confidence, but with the understanding that there's still an 18% chance that you're gonna fail. And then yeah. you have, again, get comfortable with it. It's, it's cause it's gonna happen no matter what you do, no matter what you, no matter how good you are, no matter how, how great a diagnostic, di diagnostician you think you are, the, the, you're the best interactor, you're the <clears throat> smartest guy in the room kind of a thing. Yeah, you're gonna fail because you're dealing with another human being. Well, it's a beautiful way that you put that. 
And I think that it's, you know, fairly universal. It's not just within the scope of, of uh, physical therapy or fitness or any of those things. It really is, you have to be, you have to get to the point where you realize that you're going to be okay, even if this thing falls apart. Right. And but you that, have to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if, if you, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I know your dad, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't let the kid fall down, scrape his knee, get a little yep. dirty every once in a while, he's not going to know that it's going to be okay. And you I'll know, tell you, it's an era where other parents don't seem to want to allow that to happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, my caregivers, when I was very young, were born in 1914 and 1915, respectively. Nice. And, uh, you know, they certainly didn't have the helicopter mentality. <laughs> and it was almost like, what are you doing hanging around us? Go out in the dirt. Like, right, exactly. Uh, and yeah. so I, I find myself being at these urban playgrounds right. and having more of a depression era mentality. Right. Uh, but see, but see, this is, but this is the thing. It's, it, it's like, so the, again, for, for the younger coach, younger therapists, it's like, we're talking about the same thing. It's like for yeah. them to get dirty means that they have to put themselves in situations that are uncomfortable where their decisions may not be the, the best choice. And we do that in a safe manner. And that's through the, the, uh, supervision, if you will, of a, of a mentor working as an apprentice, right? That's where you do your safe to fail experiments. But that's, but again, this is where you learn that, okay, I'm not always going to be right. This is not always going to be the best choice. It is not always going to have the, the best outcome. We have these discussions, you know, and, and it's always best case scenario. It's like, oh, you sound like the greatest coach in the whole world. You sound like the greatest therapist in the whole world. And then if somebody followed you around for a week and they would go, <laughs> wow, you, you really screwed that one up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I did. But, yeah. but you know, you're going to survive it, right? Because you've got the experience that, okay, yeah, I've screwed this one up before. Um, yeah. I do it a lot less than I ever did. Right. right. But it still happens because again, it's like when anytime you're interacting with another system, it's like, you have no idea what their response is going to be. And, and again, just getting comfortable with that takes time. Right. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. All right. So I've got a question. I've got a million questions, but let's start with this one. I was reviewing some of the intensive uh, Zoom calls uh, through the history of the, the page there, and I Oof. noticed. Um, <laughs> I noticed that um, you were coaching a, a little while back a prone uh, breathing position where you essentially just put a, a pillow under the uh, under uh, the pubis and then uh-huh. and the 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 hands into almost similar to the frog representation except with the the, the pillow underneath coaching the breathing and I'd yeah. been playing around a little bit with that and I'm just trying to get some clarity on exactly. Uh, what I've been seeing, making sure that that is, in fact, uh, sacral mutation and counter mutation, because obviously I can't put my hands on someone to feel right. that, so I go visually. And what I've been at this point pretty commonly is that the, when they start the drill, we don't really get, we get a bit of, you know, sort of lumbar expansion, and then it, it seems to progress down, and we'll see the, 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 the butt 
I guess, if you want to call it that for a better description, kind of rise and fall. And then uh-huh. as it goes a bit further, we get it doing this just yes, a sir. little bit. And I'm presuming that that is sacral mutation, counter mutation, without being able to put my hand on it observationally. It looks like yes. it. Is that on track? Yeah. Yes, sir. Cool. Yeah. That's so, so, all, so that what this is is just it's just a great representation of of the systemic response to the change in volume. Yeah. So, so when you breathe in, if re- all relative motions were accessible, the entire system progressively externally rotates. Yeah. Right. And right. and so that so what you're seeing what what you see is you see the expansion associated with the inhale and then you just see it propagate throughout. And, and it's, it's like, it's really difficult to see your fingers externally rotate. Right. <laughs> but, the, but, but the, the premise that I want you to understand is that, is that you like literally this thing just, it just spreads out. And then as you exhale, the, the compression then resolves just like if you were standing on the beach, watching the waves come in and out. So with your experience, when you get I've got some pretty decent end game narrows that I've been trying trying this on, um, does it normally take them do they get better at it over over like with practice as far as you know at the moment it's taken them a few minutes before we start to see that effect take place. Mm-hmm. If making changes, correctly then we should hope to see that decrease in, in time as they get as they get along is that generally maybe. how that, maybe. that works okay. maybe so 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 this is this is where contacts come into play this is where muscle activity comes into play this is where shape change comes into play right so mm-hmm. if you have somebody that is that is compressed anterior posterior which means that they're expanding laterally right um, and you're putting them in a in a flattened position. You may not get the response that you that you want just by putting them there and hoping for the best. Um, what what this would be though is from a, a representation standpoint, it may actually help guide your process. It may allow you to identify when it's not propagating, mm. right? So, so you can use that, it as a comparator. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, don't don't just don't just put somebody there and then expect everything to be all fine and wonderful. Oh no, I'm just looking you know? for some. Yeah, yeah. No, so like yeah. someone that you're just describing there, the ideal, I guess the the, the ideal sort of progression to that would be look at a side lying activity and then back, perhaps yeah. go back. Yeah. Yeah. That or it, it, it's 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 no different than any other activity in regards yeah. to like okay, I'm going to perform this we're going to observe we're going to see what happens we're going to measure however we do that and and make the comparison and then we continue the process right okay yeah cool well the the that that was my quick question now i have one that is a shade probably equally as quick for you but a bit longer for me so i'm seeing uh seeing someone that um when we get a representation, I've seen this more than once, where someone moves into a split squat type activity mm-hmm. and 
they're getting um, they're getting no pain if they've got uh, in the knee if they have a leg in late. So when the legs behind them and they descend from late to middle, they're getting no no pain in the anterior sort of anterior slightly medial knee, mm-hmm. and yet go from early to middle. So as in front foot descending into a into a, um, a, a lunge, for instance, mm-hmm. they're getting they're getting pain associated with uh, medial medial knee. At what point? At what? Uh, so pretty much as they're getting toward middle. So just just so, so near the bottom of the split squat, they have, they have lead leg anterior knee pain. Yeah, lead lead leg anterior knee pain. Now they can execute a squat. Now I presume for the same reasons that. They're not getting it moving from late to middle because the top of the squat is late to middle. They're not getting the knee pain there, so that's pretty consistent with having a, you know, that representation on the on the rear leg and split squat. But mm-hmm. as soon as we early to middle, we're getting that pain. Now, I'm trying to imagine in my mind why it's occurring at one point but not at the other. The waves moving in the opposite direction, but from a internal external rotation like if we've got a tibia that is you know externally rotated relative to an internally rotating uh, femur then that's going to be consistent in both situations okay Okay. but but it's but but it's not the same but it's not no no. that's what i'm trying to i'm trying to get in mind as to why it would occur in one circumstance not in the other right okay all right. Somebody needs to mute, please. Thank you. Okay. Or not. Vic Somal, can you mute? Thank you. Um, so uh, the uh, the lead, the, the difference between the, the two, okay, um, in regards to the descent of the split squat. So so both are, are internal rotation representations. However, it is the direction in which the the energy is is moving. So so you store and release energy as you would take a step forward. So you land on the ground, you absorb energy, you move over the foot, you push off the ground, you're pushing into the ground. So again, you take energy out of the ground, you push it into the ground. So early to late, correct? Yeah. Okay, good. So so that's what our split squat looks like, okay? So um, I can't speak intelligently about why they would not have it in the uh, in the later representation, because there may be something that they're doing um, that I would observe that would help me identify this. However, you do have a, a big clue um, in regards to where where they're experiencing the knee pain and in which leg. So so you have a situation where as they're moving into a more internally rotated position where they have to absorb more energy. So as you descend into the split squat, that is an early IR representation, which means that internal rotation is coming up from the ground towards the pelvis to make the shape change, okay? Mm-hmm. And so so you have, you have a, a, an interference at the knee that is not allowing this, this uh, internal rotation to propagate proximally. It is, it is stopping at the knee, so to speak, right? It is interfering at the knee. Most likely, most likely what you have is you do not have the internally rotated representation at the knee at the time of the, the discomfort. Okay. 
And so, yeah. so this could be um, the, the foot position. This could be the fact that the tibia is not, not able to internally rotate sufficiently relative to the femur to access the internally rotated position, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or the, um, the, you have top-down interference. So you have ER that comes down from the top, you have IR that goes up from the bottom, and you may have too much of an ER representation proximally that is not allowing that shape change to occur. And so once again, you have the interference below that level um, and it's stopping at the knee, all right? So, so again, um, what I, what I would do, Matt is, is I would, I would make sure that number one, you've got access to the appropriate foot position. You got to make sure that you've got the tibial, tibial IR available to you. And you got to make sure that you got the hip IR available to you. Yeah. I've got a pretty good plan for trying to, uh, remedy it. Uh, you know, she's heavily anteriorly oriented, which is not yeah. helping it. You know, yeah. there's a, a other things going on, but so, but the difference the difference the difference between your so but the fact that she's she's okay in a in a bilateral squat, right? Mm. Okay, so so the way that the IR comes up through the extremity goes straight up through the extremity goes it goes to the hip and then it goes towards the middle of the pelvis. Okay, so it goes up like this and then towards each other with the bilateral symmetrical activity. Right. Okay? In a split stance it actually goes right towards the, it comes up through the extremity and it, and it aims right towards the pelvis. So there is a slight difference in the, in the directionality of the uh, of IR that comes um, from the ground up. So again, yeah. I'm leaning towards, I'm leaning towards the fact that, that when she's in a, is it she? She, yeah, yeah. When, when she's in a split stance, that she's not able to make the shape change from ER to IR, uh, proximal. Yeah. And, and like I said, it, it's just, it's, it's coming down, so to speak, from the, from the pelvis through the femur. So you, you, you probably want to look proximally first. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. again, make sure that you have all of your foot contacts as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Why we would might not see it in the squat. If that's, if it's changing direction from <clears throat> relative to the, split squat that's coming in at a slightly different direction. Yeah, it's, 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 there's, 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 yeah. A change, there's a change of angle as to, as to how the internal rotation propagates. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Very good. Mm -hmm. Good morning. Happy Friday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. For those of you on the two-week sprint, this is your recovery and reflection weekend. Make sure you are on point with all your goals and aspirations, and you are making progress towards them as appropriate. Uh, digging into today's Q&A, this is with Robbie, and uh, Robbie was um, questioning some of the uh, approaches on how to alleviate some of the concentric orientation that we, we talk about. All of these superficial muscle strategies tend to be biased towards exhalation. Um, we're trying to create expansion where we've had compression, but there are um, some issues associated with that, that if we don't have a practitioner that can help you with manual therapies and such, then we have to come up with strategies that will allow you to do this yourself. And so this is why we use ground contacts and then some of the associated tools, such as foam rollers, lacrosse balls, etc. cetera. Um, using some of these techniques, we can actually reduce some of this concept orientation and then allow us to promote the expansion, create a gradient, which then allows us to restore relative motion. And there's a little kicker at the very, very end, a very, very important point. Um, so make sure you watch this video all the way through. Thank you, Robbie, for leading us in this direction. 
Uh, podcast will be up on Sunday. Everybody have an outstanding Friday. I'll see you next week. <laughs> so, uh, um, question for today is, I need you to untwist me, as you well yeah. know. Yeah. So, uh, it's funny because the, the more I'm getting deeper now into the model, the more the words you said to me four years ago keep ringing in my head. In the purple room, you looked at me and said, you're spinning. So it's starting to make sense now why I'm spinning. But just in terms of narrow, compressed and training recommendations, like I'm just at a stage where I'm like, right, I'm kind of done being very bad to my body. So I obviously do need expansion and I'm still working my way through the type of exercises I should be incorporating. But what are some of those recommendations for narrow, compressed? I know what's off the table, bilateral pressing overhead pull downs bench and all that should be gone but what else should i be incorporating to sort of recapture some expansion well so so um under most circumstances the superficial musculature is what creates the progressive the progressive increase of of exhalation based muscle activity right Hmm. and so so you you have to recapture your your ability to expand the er's so that's the reduction in in concentric orientation. So activities that would do that. So this is one of the reasons why I like to get people down on the ground and roll them around so much is because it's like it's it's like getting manual therapy done. Right. So for you for you to roll effectively, you have to be able to reduce concentric orientation to do that. And, and so getting down on the ground and, and then we're talking about like any the infinite number of, of ways to, to roll around. Um, but this might be where you also need to get a little bit of help from a practitioner of sorts that can help you reduce that. And then it's a matter of follow-up with activities that, that, that promote the expansion. In most cases, because the compressions are anterior and posterior, this is why side-lying, short arc rolling and things like that is a great place to start for most people because it does allow them to conform to the, to the ground. The internal forces are reduced because you're, you're side-lying. You're going to get anterior posterior expansion associated with the with the gut position as they're they're basically falling towards the ground as you're rolling around. So so those are the beginner activities. If you got to do this on your own, it's like you got to get down on the ground. You got to start moving around. You got to you got to learn how to conform and relax into the ground versus thinking about force production and and such. Yeah, right. yeah. That's where you're gonna that's where you're gonna have to start. And 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 this is where you break out all the old school stuff like you know, foam rollers and and lacrosse balls and anything that's that's, that's pokey and proddy and, and all that kind of stuff. Because first step is you got to reduce the muscle activity that's creating the interference in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms then of just uh like dorsal rostral, would I just be the exercise you have out there in the YouTube? Would you incorporate those for me too? Because obviously that's mm-hmm. very compressed on me. Yeah, okay. but 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 you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do like that first thing walking into the purple room. You would be you we you would have to have you would have to create a gradient first. See, okay. there's here's your problem. So this is this is the problem with with that's associated with a lot of these these people that are that are very very compressed is that they just don't have a gradient for movement to, to exist in the first place. Yeah. And, and so you have to create that. And, and like I said, the best way to do that, um, again, if you have to do it by yourself, which is really, really difficult, is, is through a, like I said, the pressure of the ground and gravity just to start moving around and rolling around. And it starts to look like, you know, phys ed class in the second grade, 
right? Rolling around on mats and, and stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, okay. And just one one last little thing to that. In in my mind, I was I just had this top, but now that you're saying about it's more about attacking the concentric orientation first. Like it bro, I had this thought in my mind it's just with expansion where I'm compressed. I was like from a training perspective, because I don't do a lot of I don't do a lot of activities that put me into any heavy type of breathing patterns. And in my head, I was like, I wonder, because I used to do a lot more of that and I was a lot more, I was less compressed a few years ago. And I just, I've been kind of thinking about how my train has gone over the years and why I've become more compressed. And it's funny, it's funny you mentioned form rolling and rolling because I used to do more of that. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, you know, by the default, maybe that's why I wasn't as compressed. But just in my mind, I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, from working from the inside out, could like a training intervention of, more heavier lung activity like an interval on a bike or i'm just using as an example could i have led to more expansion because i was actually you know working from outside like my lungs were expanding more what do you you but would you be thinking that the can't there be concentric it would just increase yeah okay that's what you cleared up there that would just feed more into concentric orientation which would make it worse relative motion relative motion yeah coincides with normal tidal volume okay not forced inhales and excess okay okay that, yeah perfect there's a nugget for today there you go thank you thank you sir